So Stephen Thor graduated from the Health and Society stream in 2017. Post graduation he spent several months in Belize working as a marine conservationist and a public health advocacy leading a HIV prevention campaign. Stephen then went on to complete his Master of Public Health at Queen's University and is currently working with Fraser Health Authority as a community health specialist. His documentary on Quebec's bill 21 uproar has received multiple film awards film festival awards most recently steven published a children's book titled dorsley which is a story of friendship that takes place during the partition of 1947 illustrated through the national burghs of india and pakistan i personally got to know steven through his involvement with the funding campaign to create a sixth chair position at the university of calgary and i have so much admiration for his work ethic and creativity we will link his social media in the text for voice for sangat to check out um i think garam masala um i mean the clean band you will be um putting the socials for um steven singhi in the text for voice hanji so hanji so babadi hanji babadi so yeah so Yeah, absolutely. So I'm super excited to be here with everyone. Um public health is like a super new field. So if you haven't heard anything about it, you're thinking like what is this even um that's something I get all the time like even my own family doesn't know really what public health is or my friends I kind of have to constantly tell them like what it's all about. Um so just as we begin, I guess I'll give a quick description of what public and population health even is so um just like the title i guess like the very easy way to look at it is how to look at the health of a collective group of people so that's public health in a nutshell is you know uh on a on a population level um there's these uh something that we call the social determinants of health as uh, a key critical component of public health work um you know in your life there's different aspects that make you healthy not all of it is genetics um obviously that plays a role but then there's social factors um that you know play a role in your well-being such as you know uh socioeconomic status how wealthy you are um social capital cultural capital identity um you know environmental factors um all these things play a role in your well-being and you know in the most recent years we're seeing a trend at more of a holistic approach to health psychological well-being physical well-being mental well-being um you know spiritual well-being in the western world these concepts are sort of being um dived into but uh if you look at it from a sikhi perspective all these aspects have sort of been covered in gurbani and in sikhi um from all fronts so you know this realm of public health and sikhi actually intersects quite a bit um and it's the first time i'm doing a talk on public health and sikhi so i'm super excited uh to you know bring both collide both my worlds together uh, i feel like these are two things that take up most of my time in my day to day life and so um you know balancing both worlds um 
is uh, something I do on a day-to-day -day basis and I love it. It's something that I, I'm really passionate about. Um, my everyday job involves, you know, doing public health work, but it really doesn't feel like work. I, I, I truly enjoy what I do and it's taken a while to get there, sort of build myself to that point. And then to be able to come to a term where, you know, uh, we're able to use Sikhi in our work, in our day-to-day -day life uh, has been a privilege. It's been an honor. I, I've really been able to appreciate um, how to use, you know, what I learned in Sikhi growing up and, you know, uh, the the principles and, and, you know, the values and, and the things that were taught to me as a child and as a youth uh, member of Sangat uh, growing up um, play a huge role, instrumental role in, you know, uh, public health. Uh, one topic I wanted to touch on today was Sarbat Tapala. Uh, it's a huge concept in Sikhi is, you know, the well-being of others and those around you, selflessness, uh, you know, seva in itself uh, of others, selflessly uh, is, is, it's a huge concept in Sikhi. And I feel like um, public health embodies that, you know, you know, you go into this field wanting to help others, wanting to help uh, on a higher policy level that might make a bigger impact at a population level. So all these things are, are super neat to me. Um, and, you know, I, I really enjoy, um, I really enjoy doing this work um, in this realm of public health. So, okay, so we've sort of set out the definition of public health as, you know, um, look, taking a step back, taking a look at a, you know, um, a bigger picture, uh, you know, overall community, overall collective, um, how can we enhance the health of a, of a bigger group Rather than um, now in public health, we have these terms called downstream and upstream. So downstream would be something like the hospital, acute care, um, your family doctor, you know, um, medicine that you need and require right away, which is very important. We need those aspects in, in, in life as well. Um, but public health would be more upstream, preventative. Right. Um, before you get to a, a, the Grand Rapids of the river, how do we protect you from falling into, you know, like uh, the, the hospitals, the clinics? Um, how do we prevent you from your health deteriorating before it gets to that point? So, you know, we've really we've really worked on um, approaches through, you know, events, policies, different things that, uh, you know, would help you know, reduce the burden of chronic diseases, for example, in, in modern day society has been a huge, huge issue to tackle, you know, so um, the way things are trending, public health is becoming more and more prominent, um, just in, as a field itself, um, but uh, also as like a, um, you know, novel approach to medicine. So my personal experience in public health, uh, I didn't get to see many uh, sayings or gores in my field. Uh, you know, it's so it's something that um, I've uh, sort of, um, I really wish I did. I wish there was more sayings and gores in this field. Uh, in my entire four years of my undergrad, I was the only sing in my entire program. In my master's, I was the only sing in my program. Um, I would even say, I would venture out to say even like the only South Asian person um, if there was like maybe one or two other folks in the neighboring years. So um, heavily, heavily Caucasian dominated field, just because I think um, this stems from like nursing and some other frontline healthcare um, fields. So naturally just the, those fields sort of play a role into this field. So um, yeah, I just feel like we need representation. We need folks to be involved in, you know, all aspects of our society. Um, we need our our youth, our our um, 
our community involved um, at all levels and and in and, and government and policy and all these other things that I'm sort of taking a look at now um, and where you know decision making gets done is you know sometimes even in the government it's like the nonpartisan side of things where uh, a lot of decisions get made so um yeah I was gonna also bring up uh, that um my background i i'm I grew up in in Calgary I'm living in BC but you know I was very fortunate to have uh gotten Santhya from Baba Darshan Singh Ji Malil. Um, and, you know, um, in Calgary, our Sangat was very, you got a mix of everything. And, you know, growing up, we got, you know, um, uh, we got Gatka lessons from Jang Beer Singh. We got, you know, um, different Jathibandis that used to come through and teach us Kirtan and, and Tabla. And I think that's something I'm very fortunate for is just to be able to get a wide breadth of um, resources uh, growing up in Canada. And so, you know, um, as a young person that was sort of trying to build my identity, trying to, you know, reflect on who I was um, growing up in Canada, I think these are integral parts. They play a role in, you know, who you end up becoming um, later on in life is just, you know, your upbringing at a young age. And so, yeah, Sikhi is something I fell in love with. Um, I wasn't always uh, Amrishak. I wasn't always um, in in Sikhi Sarup. I was. Um, I used to cut my hair when I was a kid, um, uh, up until like junior high, roughly around like grade five or six, I think, when um, when I took Amrit and then really started my journey on on my path to, towards Sikhi. By no means am I anywhere close to um, you know having attained or learned a lot. I'm still you know, on that path, I'm still learning a lot. I make a lot of mistakes, but, you know, it's a constant journey. And I think that for me, uh, to to grasp that concept and then apply it to to my daily life and my work has really helped make that progress in Sikhi. So, you know, combining these two worlds have been crucial for me uh, because when you get to uh, do your daily work and practice and, you know, bring a lot of things that you learn um, from Gurbani, from 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 Sikhi into your day to day practice, um, in all in all aspects of your life, I feel like you know it's so um, gratifying. It's also it, it helps keeps you rooted. So yeah, this these things are are um, super important to me as as an individual is to have um, like Sikhi as an integral part of my work. So hence our workshop on on uh, public health and Sikhi. So super excited to go through some of our creative projects with you guys um within the last five years i've done two creative projects on sort of a, a national scale um those two are the ones that we're going to be diving into um and creativity for me is just so powerful i love all aspects of creativity i feel like the more i've dived into Sikhi, i've seen creativity manifested in our um world of of, of Sikhi as well whether it was you know poetry whether it was singing or whether it was um you know different uh ways of expression creative expression was used utilized uh, because of how much power there is in creativity and i feel like uh guru Maharaj understood this and they utilize these creative tools it's almost like a, a tool right to use creativity to capture um on people's emotions and and work on you know capturing people's attention and, and you know all these things coming together so uh a lot of our creative work that 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 i've done with my my peers and colleagues my friends 
um, people that I've worked on these creative projects with, um, they do that exact thing is trying to play on, um, you know, uh, a topic, trying to, trying to work on something that needs awareness, uh, needs attention. But how do you do that in a world where there's so much white noise? I think that's another key thing here is that we live in a world where there's so much uh, going on that to, you know, really even get the attention of, of, of the folks that you're trying to reach is so important. How do you do that? What's the first step in, you know, um, getting someone's attention on a particular issue? And so um, we can start with uh, Uproar, the documentary, just because it sort of falls in a chronological order in, in how I've sort of got into this line of work. Um, and then we can we can touch on those the after. Um, so the documentary we created is only 20 minutes long. I was hoping to show it um, to everyone here. Um, we can watch it and go through it um, and then um, take questions on it afterwards. Um, but just to set up the documentary for you guys, I'll give a little bit of backstory for why this project even came to be. So I know there's Sangat joining us from all around the world. Uh, to give you context of, of, of this documentary, you might not know. But here in Canada, uh, we have a province called Quebec and a very French-dominated society. So similar, but not exactly the same if you were to think of France and UK and uh, in Europe, sorry. Um, but aspects of, of French society in France definitely play a role in Quebec here. But it is still very much a unique culture. Uh, it's sort of not exactly to to say that uh, Quebec and France are the same would, would be unfair to the province. Uh, you know, there is a lot of uniqueness to their Canadian identity. So it's a very unique space where um, they have a, a deep rooted history with, uh, you know, something that that they've they've tackled is uh, their issues with religion. So, you know, you can imagine that this province, uh, there's historically a lot of Gore, a lot of Caucasian folks that have lived there, and they have this deep-rooted challenge and problems and concerns with religion, mostly Christianity, um, where the church had a lot of power and influence. And so what happened was, was that, you know, over time, uh, folks started creating this ideology of, of um, religion being toxic. And, you know, this work against the influence of religion in um, everyday life in the workplace in other aspects. Now, this is a very Western concept, right? If you look at Sikhi in itself, I, I want to bring this to everyone's attention just because I feel like this is something our youth is going to have to tackle. Um, if you look at Sikhi, to me, it's not really a religion. Religion is almost like a box that we checkmark and fit it into. It's almost a way of life. It's a way of being. And so there's so many aspects of Sikhi that we don't fit in the criteria checkbox of a Western world. Um, and it's it's almost toxic and harmful to mold ourselves into those definitions that have been created for us. Uh, we were never in the conversations when these when this language was was created. Language is very political. Now this all comes back to public health. I'm going to tie it back to public health. Language is political because in public health we have something called knowledge translation. How do you take big concepts that you know need to be uh, disseminated by youth, um, and, you know, young children, um, immigrant parents? We do this on a day-to-day -day basis. On you know, if there's an opioid crisis, if there's you know, smoking is a very toxic um, thing for you. How do we communicate that? What channels do we use? What language do we use? And we've we've been taught in our profession that language is very much political language how language is created and how language is used is very much political so 
you know, if in this Western world we've seen uh, an emergence of um, checkbox, like boxes that we're trying to fit into, uh, we use words like orthodox, and you know, orthodox doesn't actually apply to sick. You know, we use things like, oh, he's an orthodox sick, and you know, we're not, we're, you know, we don't really fall into that into that term and definition. If you Google what orthodox even means, it's it's not like Sikhi doesn't it doesn't compare to some of these words. Ten commandments of Christianity, like you know, sometimes people use these words to try to explain, like you know, code of conduct in Sikhi is kind of like the Ten Commandments, or um, that person is a is a initiated Orthodox Sikh uh, when they take Amrit. And I find a lot of uh, concern around this because I, I don't think we fall into these. Uh, into these definitions, they're they're it's harmful to sort of force ourselves to be involved in 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 these and you know in in um in being defined in this way. So yeah, so all this is coming out because um you know we're having this intellectual discourse on you know uh, what does it mean to be a sick in Canada? What does it mean to be a sick in the diaspora? What does it mean to be a sick you know outside of the realm of Punjab and in these Western worlds where you know, we're just trying to navigate our way through um, our day-to-day lives. So um, in Quebec, uh, in Canada, bringing it back to to our documentary and why we created it, there was this notion that, um, you know, religion should play no role, no part in anything where uh, authority and decision-making and rule-making gets done. Naturally, so when this conversation progresses, the current government two years ago passed a bill in legislature that bans all religious symbols. Now I'm saying religious symbols with quotation marks because it comes back to our earlier conversation. Is Sikhi even a religion or is it, you know, uh, do we fall within the terms that this government has set out for us or or is it something, Sikhi something beyond these these definitions? So, um you know, religious symbols are banned and barred from come from Quebec society. And so if you're uh, an Amritari Sikh that wears uh, the star or, or you're someone, you're a, hijab, uh, a Muslim that wears a hijab, you can't be a teacher. You can't be a public prosecutor. You can't be a judge. You can't be in any of these positions of authority in, Co- in our province in Quebec. And this is 2021. This is happening. You know, this is like right in our in our backyard if you live in canada like this is our our neighboring province that has done this that's removed all six that wear the stars from positions of power um a very case a case that hits close to home in the in the documentary is the story of amrit gore who wears the star is my friend and had to leave Quebec to teach. And she's passionate about teaching. And at this point, you've invested so much of your life in your profession that you're not going to 180 and change your profession. But you're also not going to compromise on your personal beliefs and values. If you're uh, adamant in, um, you know, tying of the star, and that's that's your part of, part of your identity and who you are, um, you know, this is not something that you can just take on and off for a nine to five position. It's something that it's truly an essence of who you are. And so, you know, to find um, uh, Amrit Gore's courage in this story was was such a spe- spectacular journey. It was unreal to see. So um, why this documentary came about was I was going to school in Ontario for two and a half years. 
Um, and while I was going to school there, I used to take the train to, you know, Sangat in Toronto, Sangat in Ottawa, Sangat in Windsor, Sangat in Detroit, and Sangat in Quebec in Montreal. Uh, the school that I was going to, there wasn't many Sikhs there. The town was very um, predominantly Caucasian, you know, a very conservative town. Uh, just something I wasn't used to and something that I really needed in my day-to-day practice was Sangat. You know, I grew up on Smagams, on Kirtan Darbars, on, uh, you know, having that aspect of, of my life uh, in, ingrained in, in Sikhi. And so um, I needed those things. So I'd leave my town to some of these other places to go get Sangat. And um, when every time I went to Montreal and Quebec, uh, here in Canada, uh, where the province had sort of... Um, made that law that, you know, you can't wear the star and teach. You can't wear the star and become a judge. You can't wear the star and be a police officer. You can't wear the star and be a public prosecutor. I would take the train there uh, and see the Sangat protesting almost every weekend. In in Montreal, there was a protest. Uh, Every week, there was, you know, regular protests. This is pre-pandemic. So, you know, regular uh, gatherings, regular get-togethers, you know, strategy meetings, people getting together, trying to fight this very um, discriminatory and toxic law that was impacting, you know, um, fellow Canadians. And so um, at that time when I was going down, it was circa 2018, 2017. So, you know, 2018, the bill wasn't passed yet. It was still um it was still um up for debate it was being uh it was being proposed so we watched the bill get passed and the same day that the bill was passed in legislature was the day my friend amrit graduated from her education degree so the the the, the morning that that she graduated um the evening the bill passed it was like almost uh one after another and so uh, Amrit Gore's story was blown up in, in Canadian media. I don't know if it made it to the international level, but definitely here in Canada, her story was circulated on, you know, CBC and um, Globe and Mail and all the major news outlets. Uh, it was something of focus even during the elections. You know, we had elections in 2019 uh, where um, it was a it was a huge topic of, of discussion and um, uh, it was a focus point for a lot of politicians because Montreal, Quebec is so it's so different than rest of Canada, but they hold a lot of seats. And so here we start to see um, where the priorities of politicians lie. It's it's sometimes not in the in the favor of of a particular community or minority, but in votes in what gets them elected. And I feel like that's the sad reality with with um, with um, politicians. So. Uh, no one actually spoke out against Bill 21 in a way that supported the minorities in Quebec. It was all about, you know, Quebec has the right to um, their their decisions and they're allowed to do what they what they're collectively they believe in. But is that something that we actually believe in as a democratic society? Like, I feel like there's a lot of questions to be had. There is uh, laws that are harmful to a minority, but just because it's a minority voice uh, doesn't mean it's not a valid concern. You know, you can be a minority of uh, vote, but if it's something that's harmful towards your community, it can be collectively agreed upon that, that you know, we're voting against something. So Quebec set up this bill, they passed it in the legislature, and then I sort of was taking regular trips. Uh, I would take the train down to the town um, regularly to, to the city of Montreal, and um, I... 
I don't know. I, I felt I just felt so uh, disheartened. You know, I, I was very hurt. I used to see the community burnt out. You know, you could see the fatigue settling in. How long can you really protest for? You know, it's set, it, it really settles in that, you know, um, that even after two, three years of protesting, the community is still, to this date, is still protesting. And um, that's something we saw with the farmers' protest, is, you know, the, the longevity of how long that, that protest was. You saw fatigue settling in, you know, just the, the impact it was having on the lives of, of the community. And so, um, same thing in Quebec, right? I, I, every time I got, I got down there, I felt like I needed to do something about this. How, and I felt, I very much felt like an outsider looking in. These are my brothers and sisters, you know, fellow Sangat uh, in Quebec, in Montreal. I'd go to the Gurdwaras and, and see, you know, um, friends, family, like uh, folks. I'd, I'd network and meet people and, and, you know, just talk to folks and get a sense of like what's going on. And you could really sense it. There was a lot of this like uneasiness around this bill and a lot of concern because now the government's telling you that, you know, because you wear the star, because you look a certain way, that you cannot become a judge, a, a police officer, a teacher. You can't do certain roles in society. What does that do to the psyche of our youth? What does that do this to the psyche of our of our of our community, to our next gen, next, to our kin that's growing up, right? Like to tell someone that we don't trust you. Essentially, what's being said here is that we don't trust you. We don't believe that if you took the oath today that you would um, do your duties diligently, honestly, faithfully, and, you know, in trust. Sikhi is so much about um, serving the community, right? Serving others um, diligently with, 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 with um, honesty, integrity. Um, Sajtikamaikarni is such a big concept in Sikhi. But here we have a government telling our community that we don't trust you to do these positions. Because even though you might take this oath, uh, we don't think you're going to take it seriously and that you're going to use your, you know, your personal beliefs and values to influence your decisions. And the harmful piece in, the, in all this is that it's still ongoing. And the sad reality is that until there is... Um, more political pressure, you know, uh, a bigger movement that, you know, really pushes um, for this bill to be eradicated. It creates a real big concern in modern day um, society and how we, how we thrive and how we exist is that, you know, um, is this something we, we want to, we want to partake in? Is this something that, you know, our community collectively can, can continue to exist within? Like, these are questions that, that we need to we need to start asking uh, one another as as fellow brothers and sisters. Like I really I truly think this is a collective concern. It, it really is. You know, it's not just the Sangat in, in Quebec um, that has to fight this. This is something that it falls as a collective responsibility because um, you know our brothers and sisters in, in Quebec are going through this issue and concern. We, I, I truly do think that we play a role in in supporting them and providing, um, you know, wherever we can, the support to to um, 
help them where we can. So here's my idea. When I get there, I start, I start going to protest and I start thinking, you know, like, what can I do? Like, there's only so many things that I can do personally. I, I'm not, um, I'm not a local. I'm not from here. Uh, I might have a few, you know, abilities that I can use to sort of shine a spotlight on this issue. So, um, a friend of mine, Amrit, um, uh, he, uh, owned the company called Revive Films and sort of we got together, um, created a storyboard, a script, and we came up with a whole concept to create a docuseries on this issue. Uh, when we started out, we had no idea uh, what we were sort of taking on. We might have uh, chewed off more than we can. It was a huge project. It took a couple of years to create, edit, put together and make. But in the end, it was very gratifying that, you know, we could capture our own people's story um, ourselves. Now, this is very important to me. This is something that hits close to home is, you know, who, who sets the narratives? And if it's not our community, then it's someone else setting the narrative for us. And this is critical, critical. I, I truly think that if we're not the ones writing our own stories, if we're not the ones creating our own resources, creating our own... Um, you know, um, uh, uh, creative pieces of value, resources, education resources, then it's someone else. And it's influence coming from someone else. And so this is something I've been working on a long time uh, because of the lack of content, the lack of resources, the lack of, of creative work in, um, you know, in these fields. And, and so that documentary we we created in 20... 18 to 2019, 2020, we put it through um, a circuit of film festivals. Grumars um, di Kerpa, we uh, did receive multiple film festival awards. We put it into different different communities, different areas, um, headlined a few different film festivals, and it was showcased in multiple film festivals. Now we have the, the documentary on YouTube. Uh, we want it to be accessible. Uh, we put it out there for anyone to see now that it's gone through the film festival rotations. And so, um, yeah, we can we can uh, watch that documentary and then maybe take questions afterwards if anyone has any questions on on the bill, what's happening in Quebec, uh, where we stand today. Um, and yeah, I just think the documentary will give you a good sense of of the entire issue um, and. Uh, why this documentary is is public health to me at least is um, you know all these things take a toll on your health and your well being you know the the stress and the anxiety and the you know the huge impacts that come from discrimination racism these have huge implications for people of color um, so anti racism anti discrimination work is actually an aspect of is public health that's being explored. Um, as like a novel, you know, upcoming idea. Um, and so, yeah, this is something I've been working on through my personal work, um, and, you know, in my day-to-day -day life, but also as like a, a personal journey, personal creative journey. So, um, Sing Saab, if we can put up that uh, YouTube link and, and uh, screen share perhaps. And uh, and um it's only 20 minutes so i i know it's a it's a bit of a um 
bit of a watch, but I, I truly think it'll give you a sense of what's going on in Quebec, and that'll help us have a, a fuller conversation. it was the same thing in BC so I was like right. I don't know if I can turn right yeah, and then I have people like honking at me yeah. and they're like you can go and contentious laws to have been passed and put into effect within the province of Quebec. This bill was passed on June 16, 2019, which prohibits the display of religious symbols by public sector workers within the workplace. This bill has caused an uproar within our Canadian society. So let's have a conversation about it. What's all the noise about? Why are people so upset? Well, we go deep into these communities and talk to real Canadians that are directly right, affected by so. this bill. The story begins with Amrit Gaur, a school does. teacher who moved to BC because of the laxity of the state law. It's been almost um, um, a year since um, the government started talking about Bill 21 and uh, we actively taking part in all the protests and everything, you know, getting people together. Um, to stop it initially, but that didn't succeed um, because CAQ has a majority government, so it, that didn't work. And after the bill was passed, as you already heard, Amrit graduated same day when uh, in the morning and the bill was passed uh, at night. And uh, as a result of Bill 21, she had to move to um, you know, other end of the country, British Columbia.
So my choice to move to BC was because I saw people who looked like myself well integrated into society. Um, they were working in many fields and many positions of authority that um, people like myself have traditionally not worked in all across Canada. So I felt it was a place that I could integrate and I could just be myself and progress in my career. I was born here, so I am a Quebecois. I'm a part of this society, so when you say R, R includes me. It affects me from an empathy point of view because I don't, I never wanted my sister to be alone against a million people telling her she's wrong. Amrit Kaur's story is rooted in courage. Throughout Canadian history, We've seen that courage before. Retired inspector Bhaktesh Singh Dillon was the first member of the RCMP to serve in the community as an officer that also wore a turban. In stark contrast, the province of Quebec has barred police officers from wearing religious symbols to this date. My name is Bhaktesh Singh Dillon. I'm a uh, former RCMP officer. And in 1989, I had applied uh, to join the RCMP. And at that time, the RCMP did not have uh, a uniform policy to accommodate the beard and the turban of a Sikh um, police officer. So that followed with a nationwide debate, um, a lot of a lot of conversation, a lot of discussion, uh, which then drew in a lot of hatred as well. I was the recipient of a number of death threats. Um, a lot of conversation around what is it to be Canadian. I never imagined that we would be here again, 29 years later, that we are now again reflecting on, considering, talking about, um, you know, how articles of faith uh, could potentially um, make someone less. And really that's a conversation, that they would make someone less in the delivery of a service, in their public service, in, in their commitment to serve this country. I took an oath as a Canadian citizen. I took an oath as an RCMP officer. I took an oath to serve. And so if we don't believe in that, if we don't think that's working, if we don't think that all is worthwhile, then maybe we need to look at that because it is offensive, plainly, that after I've taken an oath and after I've said, I will do my very best and to serve, and that I will practice fairness and be objective in the delivery of that service. That I am then questioned, that I as a Canadian citizen and then put on the spot that because of your articles of faith, somehow you are less, somehow you will not be able to meet those, meet those requirements. You will not be able to meet the promise you made. That's offensive. And so this is as disrespectful as we can get with each other. When a great Canadian Baldey Singh Dillon wanted to serve and represent that great iconic Mountie image of Canada and wanted to do it with the great pride of, of wearing a turban because it is Canadian to wear a turban. And uh, yet there are many Canadians that 
didn't necessarily agree and created propaganda pins to protest uh, against. Baltej Singh Talon is a true Canadian inspiration, and his story is one that we can all learn from. These are the stories of resilience that empower the youth of today. I'm very confident that Quebecers who wear religious symbols are able to provide secular education and enforce secular laws. These educated people who have worked hard to get to where they want to be are just being removed from their roles in society. And then in terms of removing all these people's role models, so these children who are experiencing discrimination now don't have any role models in those kinds of fields to look up to. I don't like, and you can think about how that would progress over time and how that can affect like intergenerational trauma. And that's very scary to me. Like the impacts of this law are very invisible to a majority of the population. But it's not going to stop people who wear religious symbols from existing. It's just going to stop them from existing in roles of power, of privilege, yeah. Yeah. and being the role models for the future generations to grow up to be like them. Moi, je veux aussi dire que mon conjoint est Sikh et j'espère, ben, je suis certaine que on va élever nos enfants d'une façon qui qui supporte en fait le choix religieux qu'ils vont prendre et que le fait que si mon enfant décide de porter un turban, le fait qu'il pourrait pas devenir policier ou professeur, mais oui, me donne des larmes aux yeux parce que c'est tout simplement injuste et puis il y a aucune raison pourquoi il pourrait pas devenir professeur ou autre. Ben en fait, je pense que si on pense juste au niveau de l'éducation, le fait que les enfants de notre génération future n'auront pas cette exposition là de différence, je pense que ça va être une grande perte pour la société en entier du Québec. We learn in class that cultural humility is like a lifelong learning process, and a lot of that learning doesn't just come like from the internet. It's from our interactions with other people. I was surprised to hear, and that is my own naivete, coming from clinicians who are currently working at the bedside in acute care, so in a hospital context, who have said that over the last year that they have had people ask them whether the person, the nurse, or the preposé, so the, the, the beneficiary attendant, you guys call orderlies, um, whether they are allowed to be wearing the veil or allowed to be wearing whatever religious symbol that they were wearing. had this discussion very often. I think that there is some discrimination in Quebec, but there's no systemic discrimination. There's no system in Quebec of discrimination, and it's a very, very small minority of the people that are doing some discrimination.
my main reason or point for wanting to like talk to you guys was to try and dispel a little bit the myth that at least I think the rest of Canada has in a lot of ways that Quebec's very xenophobic and that the only reason this bill is being put into place is because there's some maybe like hatred or, or fear of, of the other or like other people and, and I think that that's toxic for like within Canada but also just like not the right perspective to have like I completely understand why someone would um, not support this bill like for obvious reasons especially if you're not culturally aligned with the way Quebec views religion um, so I just think that understanding that perspective that Quebec has is important I don't, I don't think trying to change people's minds on how the bill or the bill itself is really going to happen but as long as people understand that it's not through that lens of or for the vast majority it's not through that lens of hate je m'appelle Arjun Sangatour et je suis un Canadien du quatre génération. Euh, mes ancêtres sont venus ici en Canada en 1906. Donc ma famille est canadienne depuis plus que 100 ans. Euh, les gens comme mes ancêtres, comme mon euh, arrière-grand-père Gabriel Sangatour, euh, ont battu et ont contribué à la création de la nation euh, du Canada qu'on voit aujourd'hui. C'est sans doute que there are the reason it's being pushed harder now is because of the influx of, of religions with like outward symbols like there's you can't you can't get a, you can't get around that um which is why it's like been such a like more of a topic now versus right. when it was before yeah and that's unfortunate like yeah. i wish it wasn't i wish i wish this was something that was gotten out of the way when this wasn't like this, the political climate, like if this had happened in the 70s, it would have been much better and I wish it would have just happened then and then not, not finished. Ce sont les pionniers Sikhs comme uh, mon arrière-grand-père Gabriel Sengtour qui ont battu uh, cet pays. C'est les gens comme lui uh, qui sont venus ici du Punjab, qui ont uh, travaillé dans les séries uh, pour toute leur vie, qui ont contribué à la création uh, de la nation du Canada qu'on voit aujourd'hui. Et sans lui, euh, notre nation n'aurait pas pu être aussi euh, bon et euh, accueillant euh, que c'est aujourd'hui. Donc en français, c'est un, vraiment un pamphlet qui euh, l'intitulé, c'est euh, un outil pour euh, lutter contre la discrimination, saisissez euh, vos droits et euh, euh, réclamez-les. Well, if you are a victim of a certain a heinous act or a verbal aggression or whatever, uh, you know, try to film the situation. See if there are any witnesses around you. Get their contacts. As people who want to live in a more just society and equitable society, looking that you know, looking to see that laws are being drafted to uh, exclude members of our society and to put them in even harm's way, because we've seen how um, Muslim women have um, testified to the increasing amount of um, hate acts that they're been subjected to and that's something that really touches me because as a black woman I've also been the victim of hate acts in public sphere. 
Well, I think that what we need to understand is that Islamophobia doesn't live in a vacuum. It comes from racism. So just because we're not directly affected does not mean that we don't, we're not, we shouldn't be concerned. It's okay to be a person of faith. It's okay to manifest that faith through a visual appearance and it's okay to be proud of it. A child growing up wearing a hijab should not be developing a complex that, oh, um, I may not be able to do my job just because of the way I dress, right? That, that's really demoralizing. And I think one of the hurt, most hurtful things I heard was uh, my friend, um, his daughter who wears a hijab, she turned to, to her dad and said, daddy, am I doing something wrong? And he was like, no, you're not doing anything wrong. You're just being you. We as a human being, we are same. We are one family, so why we have to reject other people's choices, other people's rights? Yeah. As someone who's being affected, I have to reevaluate what I'm going to do with my life, um, how I'm going to handle the repercussions of this bill. And it's not easy listening to hateful things about yourself. Um, and it's not easy dealing with hate mail or criticism of just how you look when people, they're not even trying to get to know you. And if they got to know you, they'd see that passion that you have for education or the fact that, you know, you've lived here your whole life. You resonate with a lot of Quebec values. You get offended when people make fun of Quebecers just like any other Quebecer, but they ignore that and they just look at you and what's on your body. And that in itself is hurtful. Quebec students, Quebecers, and you know, I worked with many Quebec, Quebecer scientists. They are most wonderful people I have ever met. And you know, when I talk to them, they know what in what we believe. So basically, they are behind us. The question is, some of them they are misinformed in my view. And basically, you know, once people will be more informed that, uh, you know, especially in university culture, you know, basically we, we work with every, every person from many different cultures, from international students. I never had even a single problem in my life here working in Quebec. The French Constitution, the country of France, in principle only exists because people who look like me helped during World War I to save France from extinction. And how do we do it? We did it simply with our turbans on, to defend the territory, the laws, the constitutions of France, which are now in turn being used against us. How sad. Like if you can't leave these symbols at home, to, to do your eight hours of a judge or, or become a judge, then how can we trust you to become be unbiased at work? As a, a, a representative of the state, to represent the law and only the law, how can 
you do that if you aren't even able to take your cross off, take your kippa off, you know. If these personal convictions are so strong, which they are for a lot of people, can we really expect someone to, to let that go when yeah. they become a police officer or a judge? I will not give up and I don't want to give up. Even me changing my number is just something so bizarre. You can take the Quebecer out of Quebec, but you can't take like the Quebecer out of the girl. See, my sister was on, she was on the news. She was interviewed a million times. Her face was everywhere. Her problem was unarguable. She wasn't allowed to work, but the arguments made against her was, you're the one person this affects. have to work together to resolve issues. Right. And that's how things get done in a society when everybody works together. Right. Nursing globally and in Quebec and in Canada, like there's so many of us, we're the strongest force in terms of the healthcare system. I really think that this is so important that we really need to speak up about this. And like if anyone can make a change, it's nurses. Because one chooses to commit to a, a higher lifestyle, to a, a way that uh, keeps them disciplined and, you know, uh, properly motivated to, to live a life of truthfulness and uh, to live a life of compassion and kindness, that that is somehow uh, not what we're looking for. That is somehow going to interfere with the service delivery. So I'm shocked. I was completely blown away. How could this be? Not my candidate. I hope, I pray, that all of my fellow Canadians, and others as well, Take a moment, use social media, speak out, let others know. Because if we allow it to happen, if it does happen, then what we've really said is that um, there are people that we're not going to trust because of the way they look, because of their faith, because of what they practice. And those are the folks at the end of the day that are gonna be a part of the racialized communities because they are the ones that wear outwardly visible articles of faith, for the most part. sort of roll through the credits uh yeah hopefully everyone enjoyed that 
um, work. A lot of folks um, put a lot of effort into that work. Um, huge shout out to all the Sangat, all the interviewees, Amrit, um, everyone that helped put this project together. So, yeah, I've, um, since this creation of this documentary, um, this bill is still in effect. It's still being um, talked about nationally on every news outlet. Just two weeks ago, there was a, a woman that wore hijab that was fired from her from her job that she was uh, hired to. And uh, the response from the Quebec Premier was that she should have never been hired in the first place. So there's a lot of work still needing to be done um, when it comes to this bill, uh, what it represents, what it means. Um, and to bring our, bring our conversation back to public health, um, I don't think I could have pursued this project if it wasn't for public health. I couldn't have had this idea. I couldn't have um, written a lot of the creative work without a background in public health. So public health really has supported my creative work. Um, I've got a question. Um, firstly, Paisa, thank you for the work uh, that you've put in. Um, it's, it's truly inspiring. Um, and thank you for taking out the time to, to, to come on here as well. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's just amazing uh, what you guys have achieved um, in, in, in all, uh, such a stress, stressful situation. Um, my question is, Baisa, how, how much did all this cost in, in terms of resources and, and things like that? And it, it, is there any way that we can sort of support you going forward? Um, so this project cost us around 30,000 Canadian dollars. So maybe, I don't know how much that would be. And I'm assuming there's Sangat here joining us from UK and America, but 30,000 Canadian would probably be like maybe uh, 25,000 American, 20,000 American. So it's not a, it's not a relatively large uh, sum of Maya. Um, we were supported through businesses, Uncle G's that pitched in, believed in us. Uh, very fortunate to have received a lot of love from the Sangat uh, here in Canada to help us uh, run with this project. I remember the first Uncle G that gave us, I think it might have been five thousand nine dollars. It just lit us up because we we had um, you know uh, somewhere to start. And then Maraj um, Gerpa, we we've um, you know. Uh, we've been able to uh, put some personal money in Maya into this as well. Um, I mean, uh, there this uh, documentary, if you can share it, give it to other folks. It's the biggest seva you can do. Right now, it's still being offered on our website um, to purchase. Uh, that was one way to support us um, monetary or financially, although we don't, we're not really out there asking for it. We're not really asking for folks to buy it and purchase the film. Um, you can find the film on revivefilms.ca slash uproar. I can drop a link. Uh, purchasing it there supports us. We're still, uh, if you just want to know the numbers, we're still in the red on the project. Um, but it's the Seva. I, I honestly didn't ever saw this project as something to make a profit off to begin with. Um, it was something I wanted to embark on to get the message out. And honestly, I think if this starts changing the narrative on how our community supports creative work, how our, how our community supports creative, especially um, creatives from the Sikhi community, um, Sikh community, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a huge win. I think what we're seeing now uh, is very interesting. 
we're sort of seeing the the second, third, fourth generations get more time, um, you know, privilege to work on creative projects. I know that my father could have probably never worked on a project like this because he was new from India. You know, we were we we're uh, not well off. Uh, we were, they were working multiple jobs to help provide for us. We got an education, uh, we got knowledge, we got resources. And so we're even lucky, we're privileged to be able to do the work that we do. So um, just to be able to explore that, you know, present that and, you know, showcase this work, I think that's more more in of itself uh, enough of a um, uh, seva to, to pass this along. So, um, yeah, thank you for that yeah. question. I know... Yeah. I know there's a lot of Sangat that's still uh, unaware of these things, right? There's, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of, like I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of noise out there in the world. There's a lot of stuff going on in our day-to-day lives. And uh, rightfully so, you know, everyone's busy. They have kids, they have their schedules, their day-to-day lives. But I think this is very important to know that something like this is happening. It was very hurtful, even as Canadian Sangha to see in France that, you know, uh, sick children couldn't play soccer. Uh, sick children couldn't do certain activities, certain things. It's similar conversation there where people were being barred from wearing religious symbols. So we're seeing this aspect. That, so coming back to the documentary, there was a point that um, Pradeep Nagra made about, you know, six in the world war fought valiantly uh, to protect those same laws and constitution, which ironically are now being used against us. And, and if it's not us holding the narrative, who speaks on that? Who talks about this? is definitely not the perpetrators of these bills and these laws and these things that are toxic to us. So um, that in itself to me is is why I embark on any of the creative work that I do is that we are the ones that create this creative work. We're the ones that create this narrative. And if we give anything to the next generation, it's these works, is these is this artwork, is this creative work to pass along uh, to make sure that, you know, we get our voices heard and, and we're the ones to capture them because if someone else is capturing them, then it's their their prerogative on how they edit and how they cut and how they put things in. So um, you could argue that, you know, this is biased and skewed towards our perspective and our views and our worldviews. But um, it's why we take this project on. It's because we present it from our lens. And so, yeah, that's uh, that's just how this project has sort of rolled and where it's at now. And. You know, we've gone through the film festival submission phase and um, that was important because it gets to the gets, gets this film to different communities. I think the absolute most important thing is breaking out of our silos. We have our echo chambers, our areas that we live in day to day, our community that we regularly talk to. But breaking out of these echo chambers, you know, um, that's where we really get to see change. That's where we really get to see new perspectives, widened perspectives and I honestly think seriously that's where Sakia's flourished is when it's brought out to a wider wider lens, a wider community. And so, um, you know, in a, another important point I wanted to make with the public health and Sikhi lens is that, you know, Sikhi lives and, and flourishes and exists uh, outside of the Gurdwara Sahib. And the Gurdwara Sahib is very important. You know, that is our spiritual center for the longest time in our history. They're a resource center. It's where our community gathers, congregates, and finds Sangat but don't get me wrong that you know we don't need those spaces but um it's so critical to find the key spaces and support them outside of the gordura side 
corporate spaces, universities, institutions, um, government policies, other aspects, because those are where decisions are made, right? And if we're living in these societies, we're partaking in them, we pay taxes, we, you know, we're, and just like any other uh, citizen that we have rights and, and, you know, we're part of this society. Um, just like Guru Maharaj encouraged us to live a Christian, to be an, a knowledgeable in politics, in education, in all fronts, um, a Singh and Gore in this day and age should be in, involved and engaged on all these fronts. And I think that's where I think we need more support is outside of the Gordora spaces and think, and it, you know, one interesting thought is that, you know, Gordora's existing Gordora spaces, existing resources, existing Maya monetary, monetary um, funds and sources should go into spaces like that. They should support creatives in outside of the Gordora Sahib. So uh, maybe that's an evaluation we need to make as a community is, you know, where do our resources come from and where do, where do they get um, uh, redistributed to? And, you know, um, while the Gordora space is very, very important, I think putting, shedding some light outside of the Gordora space is very important as well. So, yeah, so that's the first um, uh, creative project I sort of uh, took on um, during, uh, while I was going to school for my master's. And then um, after I finished my master's is when I created my, um, uh, the first children's book as well. That We'll get to that as well. Um, Jasleen Banji, I think we have like just just under like forty minutes, I believe. So I'm trying to manage manage time as best as I can. Um, is there any other questions? Does anyone else have any questions on the documentary? I just want to field these questions just before I move um, switch gears a little bit because the next topic's a little bit different. So if not, you can, you can always. I did have one more. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um. Yeah, so just on the topic of, you know, creatives and Sikhi and, and coming from that sort of background, I think being a creative and being sick uh, and growing up in, in a sick family, sometimes it's not the traditional uh, job or career path that, that uh, a lot of parents find their kids going towards. But uh, it's now the day and age where, you know, a lot of kids are becoming creative and, and, and they do want to pursue that sort of line of work. Like just yesterday, we had a, a talk with Jagga Singh as well um from the music industry and and, and you know, he's representing Sikhi in that way um what i mean I, I personally would like to see sort of uh the the, the sick community especially the creative to to sort of team up together and sort of build some sort of platform or or, or something uh, is it something that i mean how I, mean, I guess my question is how can we sort of support that and how can we get that arranged i mean i know obviously you're in, you're in canada uh, i'm here in the uk but you know, the Sangat from all, all around the world sitting here listening. Um, I'm just thinking it's a shame to let to let that go, especially if those aspiring creatives that want to come forward and actually getting shut down. Uh, where do they go? How do they get support? And how can we support them? Yeah, um, it's a great question. I think that's the million dollar question is, you know, how how do we progress and, and move these things forward? So um, I, I what I'm working on right now um, is like, scholarships um you know try to get the gordora sahibs and the sangha to maybe create some sort of fund something that can help support young people at a young age to pursue 
education, knowledge, development, you know, there's creative schools, there's creative, um, not, there's multiple journeys you can take to explore the creative world, just like Jagga Singh, you know, there's um, Rupi Gore, there's, um, you know, Jasmine Gore, there's a lot of creatives in our community that have taken the unconventional path to get to where they are. It is a very difficult route. I, I don't want to shy away that it's, it's very difficult to earn money and to make a, a living from creative work sometimes because of the lack of support sometimes that you see in the community. And I'm not, I'm not one to shy away from difficult conversations. So to talk about that is very, very important. Um, how do we support creatives is by supporting them by buying their products. Um, whenever you see um, Blajinder Kaur or, you know, someone out there who's working hard on their creative talents, crafting them, spending day and night and then perfecting their work, working on it, they're most deserving of our our funds, our Maya, our resources. Uh, one point I want to make actually is the Jewish community has an institution at Harvard, and they redirect funds towards their own community members higher than the corporate rate. The going rate in the in the in the free market, if they're paying lawyers a hundred thousand dollars, the Jewish community pays their own in-house lawyers a hundred thirty thousand dollars. They pay more. And I think that's something to take inspiration from. There is a need to have funds for our own creatives, our own talent, our own on our own our own in community um, folks. The skill is there, the talent is there, undeniably. You can see it through every creative that's coming out of our community. We have the talent, we have the we have the skills. We need the collective support of the sangha, the community. I mean, how much money and you know do we spend on? I don't know, like coffee, you know, pastries, food, um, you just buying books from Indigo, from Barnes and Nobles, from Amazon. How much daily money do we spend on Amazon to get, you know, um, random things? If we can almost create a network, I think what would be powerful is to create a network um, where we can connect sick creatives and find one space where you can sort of get connected to and start reconnecting with, you know, local artists, international artists. That would be great. And I think we're trending that way. Maybe it just takes time, you know. I think maybe it just takes time that now that creatives are sort of coming out of their, um, coming out of their uh, out of their communities. We're seeing success. People like Rupi Gore, Jasmine Gore, um, Inquisitive. There's other creatives out there that have found a lot of success um, by building a community. Sometimes it's a slow grind. It just takes some time to get there. So. Um, what I'm what I'm aspiring to to do for myself is to create the highest level, highest quality of work I can I can do, given the resources I have at the time. I know, you know, uh, me right now in this moment, I might not have um, the same capabilities of the creative doing creative work that I might have in ten years time. But putting my best foot forward, doing the absolute best that I can do right now, is something I really I really I'm really keen on. And uh, I know a lot of other creatives are as well. So, yeah, just supporting through their work. Um, you know, um, uh, I wonder if I can go grab this print. Give me one second. So my friend Harleen, she's made this print, uh, Immersed in You. Uh, she's, you know, um, she's done beautiful work mixing Gurbani and paintings together. I bought her print. And in a way that's supporting her work. Um, I'll go grab this too. Hold on one second. Uh, 
from the UK, there's the Mahalla Nawa like calendar. So, you know, all the the calendar for the year with like different paintings and things. Um, like the work is there, you know what I mean? Like Like beautiful artwork in the calendar. I feel like it just takes a little bit of research, a little bit of searching, a little bit of looking to see who's out there, what what is the work that they're doing and how can I support them? This is just one example. So this calendar, instead of walking into my everyday store and buying a calendar for the year, um, a planner for the year from, you know, Barnes and Nobles, Chapters, Indigo, I'd rather support sick creatives, sick artists and buy this calendar. It might be $10 more. It might be $15 more to get the shipping. That's the mentality we need to have. I feel like that is the mentality we need to have to support creatives and get the support to, um, you know, the folks in, in, in our community that, that uh, are doing this type of work. So, yeah, it's challenging. It's a challenging question. It's a very challenging proposition. Uh, how do we get this going? I, I really do think it'll take some time to manifest. Um, but hopefully we cr continue creating these these alliances, these collaborations and, you know, more support for one another uh, in international communities. The power is in numbers. Franks is in numbers. Our community is, is um, you know, we're, we're huge in the diaspora. So there's a way for our diaspora to collect, uh, connect and, um, uh, you know, hold one another, uh, hold each other up. I feel like that's the that's a good way to go. Thank you for the question. Any other questions? Uh, Justine Benji, if we can switch to the to the PDF, um, there's only, so from the book that that I, I created, I've only included maybe like four pages of the entire book. Just so if you do order it, that we don't give spoilers away and show the showcase the whole book here. Um, but I just wanted to go through a few pages because there is inspiration from Sikhi. Um, in that book as well, although the topic of that book has, um, it's not Sikhi in focused in particular. So um, either Arjun or Jocelyn, either one of you, if you can um, uh, pop up the PDF for me, that would be so great. Um, I'll just give a bit quick, quick background to the children's book as well. Um, from a public health lens, uh, I've been looking at... Um, a layer of mental health issues for the last four years. Um, in 2016 to 2017, I had a series of friends take their own lives uh, that led mine and my friend groups um, to a series of discussions around mental health. Um, you know, we were hurting, but we wanted to do something about it. So, you know, we, we sat together, we brainstormed, we thought, what can we tangibly do? Is there resources that already exist? Is there resources we can create? Um, and then is there something we can do to, you know, help advance the, the topic, dispel some of the stigma, the taboo, what, where can we start get, getting going on to help dispel some of this mental, you know, mental health stigma. Um, and so we created an organization called Brem, which means Pyar Itfaq, love in, in Punjabi, Brem, the acronym stand for Punjabi Resilience and Empowerment in Mental Health. Um, our ads on social media, on every social media, is brain state of mind. Um, we use this approach to combine creative work uh, and creativity in exploring mental health. So we put on an exhibit 
a mental health gallery, a, you know, an art gallery that explored mental health and, um, you know, Punjabi South Asian community. Although, although a lot of this work is a wider lens on, on a bigger group of folks with a cultural lens, you know, whether it's Punjabi community or South Asian community, I know there are Punjabis that are not Sikhs. There are Hindu Punjabis, Muslim Punjabis, there are Hindu South Asian, Muslim South Asians. So um, while our, 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 our organization is sort of a wider lens, um, a lot of the topics fall upon, um, they intersect with the Sikhi community as well. So um, with, that, with our organization, we got a lot of funding um, through like government streams, corporate streams. Um, Bell is like a phone company here in Canada, sort of like, um, I don't know, Virgin or uh, I don't know what, what phone lines there are in UK, but... Um, oh, Virgin, uh, just streaming the uh, book for you. Um, oh, awesome. So I've just got the delivery book. Um, you can get the paperwork version on Amazon, I think. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. So this is available in, in all countries. Um uh, on Amazon, we're hoping to go a uh, local bookstore route, um, local distribution route. It's just taking some time to get that set up. We're currently in, um, we're currently in negotiation with like Barnes and Nobles and a few other folks. Um, yeah, so the the way they 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 display um, those on Amazon isn't always the greatest, but these are some few pages from the book that they've included. Um, uh, for our book here but it's a story of friendship so we called it dosti dosti is a word that falls upon multiple languages uh, we do use uh, Punjabi and Urdu um, on a few pages the entire story is written in English uh, the concept of this book uh, is basically uh, Manda Moore and Janda Jagor uh, they're best friends they're growing up in a rural village we don't say where it's all it's a lot of this is just uh, imagination it's playing on your creativity um, uh, very strategically so because this book although it's aimed for children um, can be consumed by all audiences and what I've seen so far since our book launch um, since launching this book we sold over 600 copies so um, you know locally here in Canada I feel like for myself that was a success um, and to see the feedback from folks was that you know, even Bazorgs were sitting down with their children, like grandchildren and reading this book, and it was bringing back memories for them as well. Um, a moment for reflection for them as well. Um, you know, that this, um, uh, if, um, if we can pull up the PDF that I emailed Jocelyn, uh, that one will have the foreword in it. Uh, the foreword is written by a partition survivor for this book. So, um, that was very important to me as well, is to have actual stories of our Bazorgs captured. Um, I feel like we're in a very interesting time right now where our Bazorgs that were uh, uh, alive during partition are slowly, sadly, passing away. Sort of miss is like a time crunch to hear, uh, you know, those stories from our Bazorgs. Um, you know, just just uh, in the time that we can. So, um, yeah, the story is very much about um, two friends that you know are split because of partition. They pursue their 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 own professions, their own passions, and um, are reunited many years later in uh, in North America. So there's a play on on the imagery of of birds. We use like Canadian geese 
to showcase like uh, students in Canada. Um, yeah, there's a lot of like fun imagery, uh, a lot of uh, uh, you know uh, analogies, and and you know the story is purposely left to be a little bit up for interpretation in some aspects where we don't give a a particular location, we don't give particular details. Um, for example, we don't say the British came and you know split up, split the split India up and left. Um, we showcase it through um, the only non-bird animal used, which was a lion. You know, the crest of the of the British has a lion on it. So a little bit of play on animals and imagery and stuff. But um, you know, these are these are very heavy topics. So this is an interesting conversation as well. How do you go about talking about very traumatic, heavy topics with young children in a way that's not burdensome? You know, it's very important to have these discussions, have these conversations. Uh, the goal of this book is to spark the mind of young people. I want young folks to be able to read these stories, read these books, and be able to give it some thought at a young age that spiral that sparks them into reading more literature more research, more history later on in life. Public health research has shown that, you know, we need to start advocating to children at a younger age because of how much children absorb at such a young age. Like 90% of the adult brain is fully developed. Like, the adult brain is 90% developed by the age of five. Most of your personality is developed by the age of six. Um, kids are sponges. They absorb everything. And so, you know, at a young, young age, how do we provide more resources, more things for, for our, our young folks? And so, yeah, here's the foreword for, from our um, partition survivor, Uncle G, uh, uh, Jaswan Singh. And, um, you know, we can sort of, you can read through it if you would like, uh, and I'll sort of continue sort of speaking on it. I feel like that would be a good way to do this. Um, the strongest principle he gave me was from Sikhi, uh, of oneness. You know, even despite seeing all the horrible things he's seen, uh, his resounding message was of oneness was that he wants the next generation to live peacefully, to coexist, to support one another. And that's powerful for someone that's seen so much violence to see the partition of 47, to see the Indo-Pakistani war, Indo-China war, um, genocide of six in 1984. Silent killing of six through the nineties, um, the deconstruction of Punjab and from two thousands to now, to see all that violence perpetrated and your resounding message is still of oneness is powerful. And I think only Sikhi could be a tool to really resound a message like that. Um, you know, so it's uh, it's powerful. It's powerful when it comes from someone that's seen so much. And so, um, yeah, this is uh, the illustrations. Um, we have incorporated aspects of Punjabi and Urdu into the story. Uh, we didn't use it on every page. It's enough to spark your curiosity. What is that? You know, what is the, what are the, 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 the Gurmukhi letters? What, what is, what's on the screen? If you're a young kid, you're going to read the story and come back to it. You know, this is the Badshah Mosque in Lahore. The next page is a, as a Khalsa College in, in Punjab very iconic uh, buildings that, you know, you would be able to uh, identify them if you were to ever travel and visit these locations. And so here's the image of Canadian geese. <laughs> it's just like a aspect I wanted to include because it sort of added a little bit of fun. 
Um, yeah, so there's things like this throughout the book that we sprinkle and create it in. It's been illustrated by my friend Sukhneer Sidhu, who's done a brilliant, brilliant job, um, born and raised in Punjab, um, pursuing a master's in architecture. Amazing, amazing creative. Uh, has really done a wonderful job with the, with the illustrations on this book. So, you know, this is a, um, a creative, my most recent creative project that I've sort of embarked upon. And um hoping to do more work in this line of work i i just find that these are things that will get our message out there we'll get uh will spark an interest um yeah the 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 children book especially i find um your curiosity is so so wild at a young age i know for myself um growing up i was so inspired um by all the gurmukhs that came through calgary here in canada um that you know just made me want to go to the gurdwara side take santhya um learn gurbani learn kirtan and um you know uh at a young age that was something i picked up on and i know for a fact that i wish i had more resources growing up i read all the english books harry potter to like you know um hunger games and I loved it. I loved all aspects of like this, like, you know, these, these worlds and, and, and like being able to read them and learn from them. And it made my, um, reading comprehension better. It helped me sort of progress in the world of education. But the sad part is, is these stories, they exist outside of our community. We don't really fit within them. And so when we start, my, my, my mess resounding message goes back to, you know, creating the narrative. It comes back to us it's not going to be J.K. Rowling that creates the uh, the narrative for six. It's going to be, you know, the creatives from our community that really harness our 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 learnings, our teachings, and present that to our next generation. And so, if it's not us, I don't know who that is. I don't think we can rely on other communities to create these resources for us. And so, you know, I've seen some very toxic children's book as well. There's like I can't remember the title of it, but there was this. I, then, this is a true story. I saw this children's book that was supporting the monarch and it had pictures of like Sings uh, on the front page, uh, like lions in chains being led by like the queen or something like that. It was just horrific. I, I, I remember seeing it uh, in BC. And that sparked something in me because I was already working on this book before seeing something like that. And I was like, who's making this? Know, why are they making this? And like, you know, where is this coming from? And I think... There is a lot of folks out there that, you know, don't understand our community, perhaps don't know, don't have the knowledge, don't have the education, don't have the, uh, um, the understandings. And even if you don't, I don't think you like, you know, uh, even if you don't have the education or the background knowledge, it's your job and responsibility to go get that if you're putting things out on a, on a particular community. But the sad reality is that, you know, people don't do that research. They don't go get the community perspectives. They don't involve the community. It's sort of um pursued outside of the community and so if it's not our creatives making this work it's definitely people uh you've seen it with disney right pocahontas um any other like aladdin right that was like um non-community folks in sitting in hollywood who create this um script this like imagery and that gets labeled as you know, Middle Eastern culture, Arab culture, whatever it is. But I guarantee you there was no uh, Middle Eastern folks that were involved in that process. And I, you know, I think 
the way that our communities are becoming more influential, more involved, more ingrained, it might be a matter of time before more more media and more things are created about six. Um, they already have been. There already have been documentaries and things created about six, but we're not the ones leading them. And it's harmful to us because then it's other folks speaking about our existence um, uh, out to the world. And so if the one resounding message I can leave with folks is that, you know, if you're not the creative, then support the creative that's working on this work around you. And I can guarantee you, you can find um, uh, creatives in your local community. Um, there's inspiration to be had from from all communities around the world and to support them. Uh, I think creativity is is such an underfunded thing. It's so overlooked. Um, we bask in the in the success once someone's made it there. But if you go and speak to those creatives and ask them how difficult it was to get to that point, it is beyond difficult. Uh, you know, the years and years of turmoil and trying to struggle through the beginning to try to get your work out there is very difficult. So I think um, that's that's a seva you can do that goes a long, long way. Like 20 bucks for a book, um, $15 for a calendar, you know, $10 for a print. It might seem like a small amount, but for someone creating that work, trying to get their work out there to be of a positive influence, of a positive um, message, to have a positive impact on the next wave of incoming youth it means the world absolutely it means the world i like anytime i get feedback from folks where they've read the book um their children have read the book so far has just been like overwhelming it's been so heartwarming to to hear um how these stories are being taken up and how it's how it's uh impacting um especially it's how it's impacting young people i think that's important if you're at a young age given these sort of uh, movies and and books and you know creative things to engage with sort of sets the tone right away doesn't it it it, it really does provide um perspective a different type of lens right away that's why i think siki is so powerful i keep coming back to my own journey in siki because this really has been uh siki that's really shaped a lot of my work um you know when I'm young, I don't really know what's what's going on. Like when I was a kid, I had no idea how Keaton would impact me for the rest of my life. But to to this date, um, this is not uh, out of home or anything. But I just do Riaz every day, not to um, not for anyone else, but just for myself. I love doing Riaz practice uh, every day. Um, you know, whether it's, um, sargams, whether it's something that works on my, like, like vocals or singing or kirtan or gurbani or anything, just daily practice has become such an ingrained part of my routine. Um, I didn't know that as a kid, right? I didn't know learning sargam was, that's, that's the impact it was going to have at a young age, how that, how learning the sargams and the keys on the vajja were going to eventually lead me to, you know, learning Gurbani and then Gurbani uh, in turn being used as Gitan would, you know, um, help me with uh, grounding myself, you know, putting my emotions in check, uh, doing all these things on a day-to-day basis now, 20 years later. I didn't know that at five years old. I didn't know that at six years old. So while you might not know it at that time, at that age, that influence carries with you for a long, long time. Um, you know, I, I haven't, uh, I haven't done, um, Santa in a while, but if I was to brush up my skills a little bit, I think I could do a, you know, um, 
uh, role uh, and um, be able to read Gurbani and, and go back, like pick up on, on you know, um, trying to read Shodha Gurbani, right? Like that's something that's ingrained in me. It's something I can't take away. It's something that was um, was really put put in my path for the rest of my life. So the influence of of public health in Sikhi is huge. Like how how do we on a on a collective level take a look at the health of our next generation, the health of us uh, right now, our youth? A lot of it has to do with understanding who we are, our identity, connecting with our roots, being able to have um you know these conversations that we're having now a lot of this plays a role in well-being being rooted in in being grounded in sikhi has really truly helped um my mental health my well-being in in uh, psychological physical spiritual you know um realms and if it wasn't for sikhi i don't think i would be in the position that i am today it wouldn't be where i am today and so uh, a lot of the work that i've done has been uh, with the blessings of Maharaj and uh, you know the the path that we're on it's just a it's just a journey and I'm still learning I'm still growing there's still so much to have to do still so much to work on and I think it can be a daunting task to tackle some of this work but um, when you put Barossa and Maharaj I think there's a lot to be um, faith uh, have faith in and so that's something I want to inspire. I think that's something that's helped me. And so, yeah, these, these resources are things I'm just like slowly putting together. Uh, this book has been an amalgamation of like four years of work. Uh, the, the documentary has been a similar amount of timeline. Uh, so definitely creative work is not done overnight. There's a lot of thought effort that gets put into it over time. And so, you know, when you're putting money into someone's work, what you're really supporting is their years and years of dedication in crafting their skills and, and crafting their honing their or their creative abilities and to then pursue a further growth of those abilities. And so that's why a mentality that I've kept is that um, I instantly support and buy things that I see on the internet online from any sick creative that I find to be fascinating, interesting, something I want, uh, I need anyways, like a calendar, like how simple is something like that? I just felt like I needed to include that as an example, because these are things we turn to, to the regular market for stuff, but you will find sick creatives that do these type of things. Like, you know, there might be paintings, drawings, prints, and all these things out there in your local community that you can go support um, rather than getting like a, a painting from, from like the store or like a drawing from the store. Um, and it might be limited perhaps, but it's a growing field. I know, you know, the, like I, I'm, I'm probably just like one of many working on these things. So um, yeah, I, I feel like that's the note I want to end this talk on is that um, support local creatives, creativity and creative works and you know present this work to uh young folks at a young age because of how much influence um you can have on kids at a very very young age so um that's sort of been public health and sikhi in a nutshell for me um it's been uh a pleasure to join all of you guys today and uh i think if you can take the documentary forward that's a problem that our community is facing here in canada right now 
international support on that is huge. Uh, just sharing that, getting that out there, letting people know that there's an area in the world where six can't become judges, dog like um, pros- public prosecutors, police officers, teachers. Like many folks might not even know about that, and I think you know just getting that that word out is is huge. Um, through a creative medium, I feel like it's more digestible. Watching that documentary, it's 20 minutes of your day. Um, how much time do we spend on YouTube and Netflix and Disney Plus and, you know, whatever other streaming services that are being created? Um, 20 minutes is not that much time that, that you know, you could take to try to understand about a, 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 an issue that's really impacting our Sangha uh, here in Canada. And then, uh, yeah, just... Uh, you know, moving forward, I think there is a, a, a legal battle that's being put together against uh, the bill um, by the World Sikh Organization, the National Council of Canadian Muslims, and um, Liberties Canada, uh, Civil Liberties Canada. Um, it's like a civil rights uh, organization here in Canada. They're trying to take that court to the Supreme Court. The Fed, the provincial courts have already shot down um, uh, trying to completely take the bill away. Although the provincial government, uh, the provincial courts have spoken on concerns about the bill. So even the like the Quebec provincial uh, courts, which might be a bit more skewed, uh, have spoken on you know concerns they have with the bill. So it might take some time. It might take some time to get to the Supreme Court, but it's very crucial, fundamental that this bill gets overturned because it sets a precedent. I don't want there to be any parts of our society anywhere in the world that hinders our next generation to think that they can't be something. I feel like the the tools that are given to us in Sikhi are so powerful. They can really help you to attain whatever field you really want to pursue. And that is... Um, that is something that I, I'm very passionate about, is that, you know, in a Sikhi Sarup, uh, you should be able to be uh, able to pursue whatever profession you want to pursue. So this sets a precedent worldwide. Um, I feel like if this continues to fester on, there can be other aspects of society that that turn and say, hey, they did it over there in Quebec, so why not? We should do it over here as well. Um, so yeah, the, the documentary link I've put in the comment section of, of the of the general chat. I can put a link to the, uh, to the, uh, so, those the book. Uh, yeah, Sangaji, uh, I've put all the links for uh, the socials and everything in text for voice for you. So you've got the, um, uh, uh, Stephen Singh's um, socials here. You've got Amazon and you've got the Uproar uh, and Revive uh, links all on there. Uh, just want to say a big thank you uh, to yourself and your team as well. Uh, you know, for coming on and sharing this with us and doing everything you can and sparking that 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 light for for hopefully for generations to come uh, and all around the world. So I really really appreciate the time that you've taken out and on behalf of the Sick Discord here. You know, we really really appreciate that you've come on and you've enlightened Thank us you. and and shared shared your shared shared your heart basically uh, and put that your life work um out there. Uh, so thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone, so, so much. Really appreciate it. And feel free to reach out. I'm uh, always available. Direct message if you have any interest. I saw some. I'm just scrolling through now. I didn't really look at the chat at all. But there's some there's some interest in pursuing public health. 
give me a shout. More than happy to uh, connect and provide whatever feedback, um, perspective, anything from my end. Um, if I if there's anything I can pr provide, uh, uh, feel free to reach out. Always available. Um, even here, I, I know this is more of an international, uh, uh, you know, a Discord a group with a lot of sangat from around the world. But just even locally, I feel like um, I've had the pleasure of just connecting with a lot of youth. Uh, there's this is something that I find the youth connects to creative creativity, creative work, and so naturally I've just been able to connect with sort of the next generation folks who want to pursue this work. And if there's anything I can do in my power and my abilities to help you pursue your your passions and, and the work that you want to do. And if there's something I can provide of value, um, that that's more than more than happy to do that. So thank you all so so much. Thank you, Virji, for putting my um, you know, uh, connect the the links in the in the uh, chat there. So feel free to reach out, connect, and uh, it's been an absolute pleasure pleasure being here with everyone today. So um, hopefully thank I get to see and connect with you guys again. Absolutely. Thank you so much, G. Thank you, Sangaji, for listening to today's talk. Um, and once again, a big shout out and a thank you to uh, Baji here for coming on.